can't believe Lee went shoe shopping instead of helping me record the podcast. What am I going to do without a co-host? What am I going to do? I know. Let me get my phone here. Um... Hello, London. Connect me to Laura. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. JLB credit. Fuck off, please. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the L Dude Brothers podcast. My name is Sean, and my favorite ingredient is crime. Hi, I'm Laura, and I won't be Bez. All right. So, as you can hear, we have a special guest on the show. This is Laura from London. She was Hello. The- she was the first person that emailed us to talk to us about the podcast, so I invited her on, and she graciously accepted to come on to the show. Uh, I told her to pick an episode, and she did University Challenge. So thank you. Uh, yeah, my favorite episode pretty much the whole time, from the first time I saw it, so I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Lee wanted to take the weekend off. His wife has been in school for the last two months, and so he hasn't really had any time with his wife, so... He wanted to oh, take over. Supply teacher that's been brought in to uh, to fill in this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So you're you're going to be the new number two. So thank you so much. Um. So what kind of what kind of fun stuff is going on in in Britain right now? Not much, other than political unrest and a heat wave. But other than that, not not a lot. <laughs> it's uh yeah. It's been I'm in London obviously, and it's been really hot for about two weeks, and it cooled down. But now it's horrible again, and just yeah just humid and unpleasant and we're not dealing with it very well so yeah that's a that's unfortunate we had a little bit of the same thing going on over here in kansas but now over the last couple weeks it over the last week i should say it's just been nonstop rain and thunderstorms that's that's probably better to be honest i mean you're probably more geared up for it but we're just not geared up for it here i'm a teacher my husband's teacher we're both working in schools that are like 40 degrees most days it's just nasty so yeah do you know approximately what the fahrenheit conversion for 40 degrees celsius is oh no um i think that is 90 so maybe 100 something like that yeah according to google it is 104 so that is that's insane wow it got to 34 like outside last week and in the build like in the school buildings it was just kids were falling over and we were really um, like intense wintry uniforms, like blazers and woolly jumpers and stuff, and it's just that's not hundred degrees in a woolly jumper is not really good for anyone. So, <laughs> yeah. are any of the boys at your school wearing skirts? <laughs> yeah, no, no, my school though that was that was in the news, wasn't it? No, that was in Devon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw that on the news. So I yeah, yeah. I, I I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not my school. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. um yeah, nothing nothing too exciting is going on over here in America other than pretty much what you see on the news. Yeah. So, don't Well, yeah. <laughs> don't don't want to don't want to don't know what kind of viewers or listeners we have, so I don't really want to stick my foot in my mouth at all, but yeah, if you if you've seen the news, you know pretty much what we've been dealing with over yeah. here. So Anyways, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and and jump into the episode and um, 
if you would like to go ahead and start things, go right ahead. Okay, cool. So, obviously, yeah, this episode starts with Mark in a shoe shop, doesn't it? And uh, he walks into the shoe shop. Um, and I always think this, this episode, the start of this, really reminds me what I really liked about Mark when I was first watching it and when I was, like, I was 17, 18 at the time. And I really liked his kind of underdog, love-long thing that he had going on. And actually, I liked him less as time went on, um, when he got more confidence with women and he was kind of more bullshit. I was less a fan of Mark, but at this point, I really liked him. I really liked this kind of unrequited love, sad Mark. And that's what we see initially as he walks into the store. So when I started watching the show, I had already been married, so I didn't really have a lot of the same identification with Mark that was going on. But I remembered in my 20s just, you know... And there's a couple uh, there's a couple scenes in this episode that just remind me so substantially of things that actually have happened to me. So yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean about being, um, you know, about really liking Mark in this scene. Yeah, he's just he's just pathetic, isn't he? Really, when he comes in and he's sort of he's saying in his head about um, about Sophie and thinking about what if Sophie was here, what would we be doing? And it's just it's just really true of when you are obsessed with someone who's got no interest in you whatsoever, <laughs> which is clearly the case with him and Sophie at this point. Yeah, it's really funny when he's talking about how they would hit each other with flip flip flops and spray suede. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he's like, Sophie and Jeff are together now, but it's not the Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great line. I love that. Does Sophie strike you as the kind of person that would spray suede protector no, at Mark in a store? That's what's weird, isn't it? Is that he's got this idea in his head of the relationship they would have. And actually, I was just thinking that when you were saying it. There's no, absolutely no indication in Sophie at any point that she's she's fun, really. Is <laughs> she's not, And she doesn't seem to have shown any kind of fun side to Mark at this point, really. So I don't know why he thinks they'd be having such a, a laugh together, because... That doesn't seem to be on the cards. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not that's definitely not Sophie's mo at this point yeah, in time. Yeah. I mean, she bailed on the orgy, you know. She <laughs> yeah, she she hasn't got a lot of banter actually, Sophie. Really, at, at this point, anyway, she sort of maybe gets a bit more later on, but uh, no, not now. Yeah, and then and then I like that he as he's walking into the store, he's just handling men's shoes, and he's you know thinking to himself, oh, maybe I'll get brown brogues instead of. Instead of black. Yeah, because that's the craziest thing you can imagine. <laughs> I know. I, I love that. I, it's, uh, I don't know. Do you have to, do you help your husband shop for shoes or does he handle that all on his own? I never helped him shop for shoes, I have to say. Never. No, no. So men's shoes are the most boring. Like Mark is true when he says that men's shoes are the most boring purchase because. Yeah, there's, not, there's not a lot of variety in a man's no, shoes. No, yeah. it's it's not at all. Not at all. But right as Mark is, you know, trying to decide where he wants to go with the shoe purchase, we have April pop in. Um, April is played by Catherine Shepard. She also was in the movie Paddington, Magicians, which I have never seen, but it's a Mitchell. Must you must watch it? It's really funny. Yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we could do. Uh, I, this was honestly the first time I'd heard Magicians, but I watched the trailer for it and it looked hilarious. So I'm thinking that maybe we'll see. I haven't. I didn't see it when it first came out, but I was probably about five years later. I was in a hotel 
with my now husband one night and there was nothing on and it was on at about half 11 at night and we watched it and it was it was genuinely brilliant so recommend yeah yeah i'm thinking maybe we'll save that for maybe lee and i'll save that for uh, a show down the road between because we we between seasons we want to try to do something a little different and so yeah. maybe we'll do magicians one yeah it's really funny yeah yeah um one thing that's kind of crazy about April is for seven seasons, she's kind of a one episode character and then she just kind of returns with some real prominence in season nine. But we'll we'll kind of get into that um, yeah. a little bit later after the after the actual show is over, because we don't want to spoil anything for people. Yeah, um, I've put in my notes that I thought she looked really, really young here. What did you think about that? Because I thought. Especially looking back, I thought, oh, my God, she really looks like she could be a teenager. And Mark is meant to be in his late 20s, isn't he, at this point? And I thought, oh, that was a bit badly judged. I don't know. It didn't it didn't occur to me at the time, but it really jarred with me how young she looked. I never I never thought about that either. And I was really I was really surprised when you told me that the two act the act uh, that Catherine Shepard and David Mitchell only have one year of age between them. Because... Yeah, I was, well, I expected her to be, I was born in 85, and I expected her to be more like born the sort of time I was, but she's actually, she's 10 years older than me and only a year younger than David Mitchell, so I was surprised. Yeah, I was, I was shocked when, I was shocked when you said that, and then it actually, um, when you're talking about her character's age, that is also not something that I had really thought about before that no. also kind of... No. Yeah, it's not. It's a bit gross. It feels a bit gross now looking back. But I didn't feel that at the time, so maybe it's got worse with time. You know, I don't know. We're all more aware of these things now, perhaps. Yeah, never thought about it until I read it in here, and I was, and then. But you know, I also feel like if you think about Valerie too, you know, Valerie is supposed to be what, like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, it wasn't she? Yeah, so that's also a bit gross, really. But maybe, maybe young women are just Mark's uh, mo. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe that's that would make sense, wouldn't it? He's a bit. You don't feel like he's ever really had a proper relationship. Maybe so. Maybe it's natural that he would go for girls who also probably are at the beginning of their dating life. <laughs> yeah. yeah i i like the I like the scene where she gets down and is like measuring his his foot, and then she cracks the joke. So I just wanted to go ahead and play that part real quick. Yep. Can I help you? Oh yeah. Thanks. Yes, I'm after some shoes. Nothing too fancy. I did think brown bros, but, you know, I don't want to look like a spiv. Spiv? Of course, because this is 1942. Come on, Mark. She's only a nice girl. OK, well, you better say which ones, because I don't like to recommend, because this time I recommended some shoes, and the person tried them on, and they didn't look good, but I'd recommended them, so I said they did, and then they bought them, and I felt bad. Sorry, you didn't need to know that. <laughs> no. It's fine. So I was thinking black, a size 8, but broad. I have a broad foot. Yeah? Doesn't feel so broad. I mean, obviously you know how broad your feet are. No, it's fine. I just thought they were broad. Keep feeling my foot, please. Hey, if we were using ancient Egyptian measurements, which obviously we're not, I'd say it was about a fifth of a cubit, or one hand. Your foot's a hand. <laughs> Sorry, that's the geekiest joke I've ever heard in my life. No, I, I thought it was funny. I, I like ancient Egypt too. Okay, well, I'll get you a couple of pairs and see what you think. She knows about cubits. She's not comfortable in her own skin. She's one of me. She's one of me. She's one of me. 
goes that cubit, she's not comfortable in her own skin. That's uh, yeah, that's a brilliant line. And uh, yeah, and she's so brilliantly awkward as well. I think she plays that really well of being all nervous and a bit awkward. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely can relate to the point where where she's talking about because she's you know talking about how she doesn't like recommending shoes to people. Oh yeah, because uh, we recommended them and they didn't look good. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, I work as an optician, um, yeah. so I do like glasses and stuff like that, and it always kills a little bit of my soul when somebody brings back glasses that I've recommended to them, and they're just like, they're just like, yeah, you know, I got these, and I just didn't like them, and I, that always kind of just gets my heart a little bit. A professional judgment now that you're called into question. <laughs> I know, I know, and you know, I always tell people, you know, oh, I, I've been doing this for such a long time and, you know, they have real faith in me and then, you know, they return them and it just is, ugh, do I really know what I was talking about? Yeah. So one question I had for you in the scene is that April just, like, gets down and starts, like, almost massaging Mark's foot with her hand. Yeah. Is this a common, is this common in England? Is this how they measure people's feet instead of, you know, we have here in America these things you just put your heel in and it just slides... This. Yeah, so we've got those too, but but to tell if your foot's broad or not. So I well, yeah, this is what happens: is someone feels your foot to see if it's broad, and I thought you could only tell that with the human hand. So oh. <laughs> maybe it's just a weird English thing, but no, this is something that happens in shoe shops. She's not just being peculiar. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. I wondered, I wondered about that because I thought that was strange. I also like Mark's little like, please keep touching my foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The foot is the the sexiest part of the body. I did think. When, when she's doing that and he says, keep touching my foot, I thought, oh, I don't, I wouldn't really want someone touching my feet if I fancied them. That would actually be the last place I'd want them to touch. So he's quite confident about his feet, which is nice for him. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have such, I have such, uh, uh, issues with my feet too, that even the, even the idea of like taking my shoe off in front of just a random person and... Yeah, my feet are really grim, particularly at this time of year when you're wearing sand, like flip-flops all the time and you're, uh, like you get the hard skin and stuff. No, I definitely oh. don't impress near my feet no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i definitely can i can relate i can relate to that part uh then with the next scene we've got super hands and jeremy and they're they're walking out of i don't know like a convenience store that's what we call them here i don't know what you guys call them over there but you know it's a corner shop. Corner shop. Okay. Oh, I like uh as they're they're walking out they're discussing band names and then super hands just just hands Jeremy a chocolate bar and for some reason this this next little exchange they have just cracks me up where Jeremy's just asks him, Did you nick this? And Super Hands <laughs> is like, Of course I did. Should be paying for me to eat this shit. And then Jeremy's just, Wow, free choco. Mmm, tasty. And like Super Hands is chocolate bar it is as well if you notice that like the packaging is it's really crap someone's made that on like ms paint it's awful when it's like <laughs> oh yeah he's eating a bingo bar or whatever it's called <laughs> i i've noticed that in i've noticed that just kind of in general in the series is that all the the fake products they use just borderline on like the absurdity of fakeness yeah the production value is low isn't it for they've not got much budget for that sort of thing i don't think <laughs> yeah lee and i were talking about in funeral where they're playing risk at the the cabin oh, and you yeah, see the, yeah, yeah. the risk board and everything is you know all like the countries are all misshapen and russia's like super tiny and everything yeah, so yeah. They, they just couldn't get permission to use real risk chips. <laughs> yeah. that's a make one on a computer <laughs> yeah and then and then uh i I like this part here where Superhands is, you know, 
oh, you know those guys, Executioner's Bong, and Jeremy's just like, yeah, what a couple of wankers, and, and Superhands is like, yeah, yeah, they are, but they asked me to front for them. <laughs> I like just what an absolute ass Hans is here to Jeremy, and we really see, because there's not much Hans in this episode, is there, but he's used very well that we see the reality of their relationship, because he's just, he's not, he's not even not nice to him, he just treats Jeremy with absolute contempt throughout this episode, and you can see that that's what they're, that's the dynamic of their relationship is that Hans just treats him like rubbish and Jez puts up with it because he loves him so much. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really funny. I, again, that was a, another thing that I hadn't really, you know, thought about what an asshole he is when, uh, when he tells, you know, Jeremy just is like, ask him a, a, you know, like an actual favor, you know, like, can you get me in on maracas, but I don't want to be Bez and <laughs> I want to get in on merit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get you in a merit. <laughs> yeah, and then and then he's just like, "Get me in, then we'll see about merit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they have a they those two have a a super fun relationship, and and I'd love to know uh, how they met and where that how that even started. That is, all, I've always been curious about that, and uh, and I sort of like that we never find out because you can make up your own backstory a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Superhands is, Superhands is a great character because you know just enough about him to get his character, but you don't know you don't know enough to to yeah, actually meet, do you? So you can sort of draw your own conclusions, kind of thing. This is kind of the start of Mark's storyline where he's just walking back into the shoe store and he's like, "It's cool. I'm not a stalker. I thank oh. shop girls for their advice with chocolates. I just happened to pop by a couple days later. That's my line. There's no way." They can prove otherwise, and this is pretty stalkerish behavior. It's pretty weird behavior. This is no one would do this, and if they did, you'd think it was really, really weird. So, yeah, this he is a stalker. That's <laughs> quite clear here. Yeah, and and you know, this episode came out in two thousand four. At stores that I work at now, if people call and ask, you know, for is a specific employee there, we will say no. But if they ask when she. You know, like if she's working next, you know, we'll say she's working Monday, but we would never say, oh, you know, she doesn't work here anymore because she's in university. And yeah, uh, and like, well, if you're working in a shop about this time, actually, I worked in a bookshop when I was at university and we got a fair few weirdos and it was all pretty much young girls that worked there. We were all students and we were all sort of like Saturday staff and evening staff and you would get weirdos that would come in and like latch on to a certain girl. And like you say, you might say, Oh no, she's not in today. She'll be in on Monday. But you would never say she lives on. She lives in X, Y, and Z. Oh no, she's gone to university in X, Y, and Z. Like, no, that's really weird. You wouldn't do that. That's a police matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know if maybe that's why Mark does the whole um, do the Columbo, Columbo do the Columbo yeah. thing to try to get him to to slip up. Because I've never watched Columbo. Have you ever watched Columbo? Um, no, I think what I know of Columbo is, but actually, you know, I probably have seen a few episodes because it used to be repeated in the afternoons when I was a kid, um, on telly over here. But, um, what I know from Columbo, I know from this episode, really. (laughs) He's got a method and this is it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually decided I wanted to watch some, not like whole episodes of Columbo because I remember Columbo was like my grandma's favorite TV show, but I watched, there's a, there was like a YouTube montage of, of Columbo doing this one last question thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so while I was watching it, I really was was laughing so hard at the scene because it's exactly the kind of thing that Columbo does where he, he turns around and then he, he's just like, I just got one last question for you. And, and he he gets people talking and then he slips in the, the vital piece of information there to get him to... Yeah. He gets people talking so that they can yeah. slip in vital information later on, which is exactly yeah. what he, he does in this scene. Yeah, it's uh, inspired. It does work. As he says, only one technique, but shit's on Quincy. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Quincy, I, I had no idea who that was, but it was a, a medical mystery show. It, it sounds like uh, the Hugh Laurie show House, like Quincy, Emmy and House essentially sound like the exact same show. Yeah, Quincy used to be on in the afternoons here when I was a kid, so clearly there was a time in the 80s when British TV was buying cheaply, I imagine, these American <laughs> cop shows and putting them on in the afternoon. So. <laughs> yeah, and Mark and Mark probably would have been in, in high school in the 80s. Yeah, and... exactly. That would have, it would have been the perfect age to be watching this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then we get back at Apollo House, and I really... This scene, one thing about this scene that kind of struck me is... Nancy and Jeremy are just, like, perfectly happy together. Yeah. And, but the last time we saw Nancy, she was looked pretty upset and yeah, wanted to go find Nim. I agree with you. It's weird, and there's there's been something left out. I don't know if there was something left out that got cut, or we just, again, meant to draw our own conclusions that they've got back together, I suppose. I, I feel like that this happens several times through, throughout the series, because, you know, Sophie... Sophie's talking to Mark at this point, but... After the way he hacked her email, I mean, man, I don't know about you, but if somebody hacked my email to find out what yeah. I thought of them, I'd be pretty, yeah. uh, I'd be pretty upset with that person. I agree with you, but I think Mark and Sophie's relationship is quite inconsistent throughout, particularly throughout the first couple of seasons, where, like you say, they have bust ups and think. I mean, really, after all that in, at the end of season one, where he tries to give her a knickers back in the kitchen and she's embarrassed and says. <laughs> She's not really into it. Really, they shouldn't be talking after that, should they? You would have thought that would have absolutely put the kibosh on it. But, you know, they're talking again and, yeah, it is inconsistent. That is a that is a bit of a plot hole, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, but honestly, my favorite part about that entire scene is when he just smashes the shit out of the mug and then she walks yeah. in. <laughs> she walks in, looks at the paper, or looks at the mug, grabs the papers, just kind of gives them the smile yeah. and walks out. <laughs> my... Uh. My wife has just recently started watching watching the show, and she she just finished season one, and um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. My wife has really been my wife and I sense of humor is is drastically different. So Peep Show is not normally the kind of show that she would be into, but because she loves me, apparently <laughs> she decided to give it a, a try and she's actually, yeah, yeah. she's actually enjoyed it. She appreciates the awkwardness of Mark because her and I are both kind of have some of those Mark like awkward characteristics. I am. I am. I'm genuinely surprised and have been since I first started listening to these podcasts that you as an American get it really. I, I would not have thought it was the sort of thing that would have appealed to Americans with my, not that I have vast knowledge of Americans, but, <laughs> it's, but it's, I've been surprised consistently. And particularly when I heard on, I think it was on last week's uh, podcast that you were both talking about how that you didn't really get the British office, which again, I think is a natural bedfellow with this. And I would have thought that you would have automatically, if you liked one, you would have liked the other. 
So it's interesting that you say that your, your wife is, is getting into it now, but, you know, it's not really generally her thing, which was more in time with what I would have thought about an American audience, to be honest. It's it's not that I it's not that I'm not into the UK office. I just I've never watched it. I just never because my introduction to the office was the American version. And I believe that my wife liked the American version, at least for a little while. But by the time that we got together, office was kind of on its downswing over here in America. And I just too long. I mean, I don't I sort of tried to watch I watched the first season and was just like what is this shit I have to say I was and I I love the British office and then I never really persisted with it my husband did carry on but he said it got to a point where it was just like right well this is it's gone on too long this is why this is why our things are only sort of six episodes and and are over quicker was they just sort of dragged it out they were flogging a dead horse by the end of it I think was what he said that was that was his take on the situation yeah, in a in America, I, and I'm sure this terminology probably is is worldwide, but they call that jumping the shark. Where uh, I was trying to think, you know, on my feet there of what it was. Yeah, jumping the shark. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, in in this period of time that the office was kind of hitting its stride over here, I was really more into more dramatic TV shows at the time. I was watching, yeah. I was watching House with Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lost. I think that Lost was still on at the time. Um, I was watching just a lot of dramatic shows and didn't really have time for these silly comedy shows, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, one thing, one character's name that it, or one person's name that I, I should mention or has been mentioned a bunch of times is Bez. And I have no idea who Bez is <laughs> outside of the limited research that I've done. Could you, like, maybe tell us... Uh, uh, for those of us who don't know who Bez is, what exactly is a Bez and why does Jeremy not want to be him? So Bez was, um, I think he was officially referred to as a mascot of a band called the Happy Mondays, who were, you may know, they were a Manchester band in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were big on like the dance scene. And Bez, I think, was Sean Ryder, who was like the, the front man of the Happy Mondays. I think Bez was his, just his mate from around. I don't know if they went to school together. And Bez sort of came in to be, yeah, on maracas. He just he used to do silly dancing on the side of the stage, so he didn't actually contribute anything musically to the band, but he would just, like, freak out <laughs> on the side of the stage and do a dance. And then, as if that wasn't, like, humiliating enough to be Bez, he then went on to, I think he had a drug problem, as they all did, but he went on to become bankrupt. And he then was on Celebrity Big Brother over here, which he won, and then he spunked all of his uh, winnings and went bankrupt again. So he's a bit of a joke. So he was a bit of a joke to start <laughs> with. And now he's a real joke. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so funny. I love Big Brother and I can't um I, I'm trying to imagine this person you're describing going on to win Big Brother. Yeah, he became like the nation's sweetheart for about two weeks. And then <laughs> just like I think I can't remember what he did with the money. He did something stupid with it, he invested it in something stupid and he became bankrupt again. And uh, they had to reform the Happy Mondays, but by this time they would all have major drug problems and generally were just a bit washed up and about 55. And and yeah, so Bez is a a bit of a national embarrassment at this point. Next thing you know, he's going to be on Celebrity Rehab. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably where he's headed next time he goes bankrupt. Thank you for the uh, discussion of, of who Bez is, because Nancy also is not aware of Bez. So Jeremy trying to do the most American thing, which is explain to her that he's kind of like Flavor Flav from Public Enemy. 
Nancy also doesn't know who Public Enemy yeah, is. I don't so. know who that is. I mean, is that is that a is that an American a reference Americans should get, or is James just got that completely? Oh, a hundred percent. Every. The only reason that that the Bez jokes in this episode actually made sense to me is because I know exactly who they are. Yeah, okay. Uh, Flavor Flav, there's a a rap group called Public Enemy. Um, They are pretty well known. Um, They are, were like a real political kind of rap group. Right, okay. Uh, Flavor Flav's whole thing is he would wear these giant, like, clocks. He would yell Flavor Flav at the top of his lungs. Right. Uh, it, he kind of faded into obscurity for years until VH1 did the Flavor of Love series where he was looking for a woman, and then that spun off into all of those, you know, Flavor of Love Girls Charm School, uh, you know, Rock of Love, all of those kinds of, of shows. Oh, so but yeah, exactly Bez, really, isn't he? He's just like a, he's a slightly slicker Bez by the sound of it. So Jez has got completely got that reference right. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's bang on with uh, with describing Bez's Flavor Flav from what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I like that, I like that there are these, like, uh, that I can ask you about some of these more um, these pop culture because was it you that was it you that sent me the Peep Show pop culture video or was oh, that you know, where it tells you everything? Yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that uh that video is bookmarked under my podcast folder. <laughs> I cleared everything up for you, did it? <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it it's it's been uh it's been it's been quite helpful because uh in episode one where I talked about when Hans is like Quell fucking surprise and I'm like Quell is high German for you know, well or spring, so he's making a pun. I've heard so much shit about that because I just Googled the word quell. I didn't Google quell surprise, which apparently everybody fucking knows is French. So <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit shouting at my at my uh, my phone when you said that, but how are you tonight? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a I've become much more I've 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 tried to watch what I say a lot more now that people are actually listening to the podcast. <laughs> there is this guy on on Reddit, Strangely Brown, that went through and, and fact checked all the episodes and was posting about it in the Reddit uh, the Reddit thread for the podcast, so it was pretty funny. Yeah. It makes me a little paranoid, but you know, I want to make sure that the information I'm providing for people is correct and not, you know, bullshit. So I'm happy to be your uh, your British pop culture advisor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think you saw the email, but I actually emailed you to, one time to ask you what punting means. Oh, did you? I didn't. <laughs> it was before, um, it, there's an episode where Mark says punting equals shunting, and I didn't exactly know what punting meant, but I assume it's probably just go from, like, pub to pub drinking with your friends. I'm not sure, actually, in that context, because punting's like, um, it's something you do on a river, it's like a boat. Thing that happens in Cambridge. Oh, yeah, uh, like in the, on the River Cam, it's like a famous thing students do at the university. They do punting, which is like it's a bit like you know, like gondolas in Venice, like boats with big sticks that or big oars that. Oh, okay. But I don't really know how that works in that context. So there you go. That would, I don't know. <laughs> that would make sense that Mark wouldn't want uh, Jeff and Sophie to go punting together. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but one other, one other little culture culture thing in this scene is like mark walks in and jeremy's just uh, or nancy i should say is just telling mark about this tour that that jeremy is going on and jeremy's like three shows hundred dollars a show you do the math and and mark just well, well let's let's like just play this scene real quick here because it's pretty funny hey mark guess what jazz is going on a nationwide music tour 
Playing three dates across the south coast, 100 quid a gig. You do the math. So what, you're all piling around in a van? Actually, due to the facts of physics, I'll be going by National Express. I mean, you can't make a van any bigger than it is, no matter how much I or anyone else may wish it were a bit bigger. You do the math. Maths. Maths. I always thought it was do you do the math, but apparently it's... It is you do the math, but obviously we say maths here. You know that, right? That we don't say maths, we say maths. I had no... Yeah, so... I had no idea. Yeah, so the subject we do at school is not math, we do maths. Because that makes sense, because it's mathematics, isn't it? So we're the ones in the right, (laughs) we invented the language. But I think it's an American expression, so you say... We do the math, and I think that the point. I think the, the joke there is that is that Mark is 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 won't go along with any of Jeremy's American bullshit here. That's he's, he's having none of it. <laughs> I never, I never knew that you. Uh, I never knew that it was called maths over there. Yeah, we do maths. You do math. We do maths. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you do technically do different kinds of maths. So uh, having it definitely makes more sense. You're the ones that are wrong here. That's <laughs> well, you know, you guys invented the language. So, but yeah, Mark, Mark ends up being very excited to find out that they're going on tour to Dartmouth, which I also assumed was a real school until I started doing this podcast and realized Dartmouth was a completely made up yes, school. Totally fictional. There is no university of Dartmouth here. I assume it's meant to be like Exeter. Maybe is the only, is the one that be nearest to it. And it's funny because the other schools that are mentioned are real. Like when he says, he says Cambridge, and I can't remember what the other school he says they're going on tour to. Those are all, those are all real schools. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a bit weird. And he's, and he's, they're quite open about where they live. And they, they, like later on in the series, they talk about where their flat is and they talk about sending a cab to Ballam at some point. So geographically, you can completely pinpoint where Apollo House is meant to be. It's no secret where it's meant to be. So I, I never understand either why they sort of fictionalised the university. I don't know why they couldn't have just gone to Exeter. I don't know why that is, and I agree it's a bit weird. Maybe there was some sort of, I don't know, like, they couldn't get permission to use those schools? I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I thought that maybe. I mean, I don't I don't know. You can co- like, I suppose you can copyright the name of the university. But, yeah, that was my thought, was that maybe there was some sort of copyright issue or that the university... They didn't want to portray university in a bad light and then get into trouble. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I also like this uh, one little subtle line in here is when Jeremy's like, "Oh, we're going to be playing at the same student union uh, where we met." And I think this is the first time that we actually find out how they met, isn't it? It's not. It's not come up before how they know each other. I think that they talked about how they had met in school, but I don't. I honestly like that they never really talk about how they met. Yeah, it's a bit like the Superhands backstory, isn't it? It's like, you don't really need to know. You can sort of come up with your own story kind of thing. They they must have met early on because Mark says later how they were roommates together for three years. So yeah. I imagine they would have met in year one, maybe some sort of like new student orientation. I sort of imagine them maybe being put in halls of residence with each other. And maybe that was how they stuck. So I don't know what it's like over there. At university but we're sort of you're put in a halls of residence and you've got no say in where that is or who it's with you're just sort of allocated a room and you could be on a corridor with whoever and you tend to sort of make friends with people in your corridor so that's kind of what i imagine 
point only then. That's very similar to how it is for a lot of freshmen here in the States too. When when you go to school, you just sort of get like lumped together. The dorm rooms in the University of Kansas are incredibly small. It's like single bed, probably three foot gap, single bed, and then two like little desks and then a closet. You actually share rooms with people, don't you, over there, which we don't do. We have our own rooms. So Oh, okay. So like you're on a corridor, but you've got your own bedroom essentially so we don't actually share a bedroom with people or maybe they do at some universities but it's not it's not common when my sister went to KU uh, University of Kansas her first dorm room had was like a four-person like suite type deal where it, w- it had two small rooms with a bunk bed in it and then they that sounds like boarding school. That's awful. <laughs> it probably, yeah, yeah. It was probably similar to that. That was an interesting year for my sister in her yeah, university career. So, uh, <laughs> oh, one other question I have, and it's not uh, not mentioned in this. Mark talks about Tony Blair. Was Tony Blair was he like Labour or was he a Tory? So he was Labour, but he was he took the party to the right of Labour. So I don't know how much you know about um, Labour at the moment, but Jeremy Corbyn, who's the leader of Labour at the moment, he's hard left. So he's taken the party much lefter than it used to be. When before Tony Blair, it was kind of probably a little bit righter of where Jeremy Corbyn is, but not loads. It was pretty left, and there was sixty, yeah, fifteen, sixteen years of. A Tory government and it seemed like Labour were just on their asses. basically. They were never going to get elected back and John Smith was the leader of the Labour Party and he died unexpectedly. He was really left and there was a massive shake-up in the Labour Party and Tony Blair um, kind of shook things up and he courted the right-wing tabloid press and took the party sort of more into the middle and where they are now. So they were probably more like the Liberal Democrats, they were sort of bang in the centre. And by taking them further centre, um, and he called it New Labour, it was a whole new movement, um, they got elected with this landslide and were in government for, well, how long were in government for? 12, 13 years. And um, so Tony Blair was ostensibly Labour, but actually it was pretty blue. In dance class, there's the part where Mark's like, and don't think Tony Blair is a bad thing and when I was looking up Tony Blair and he was I saw that he was labor I was like why would Mark like a labor prime minister like yeah so by this time like so Tony Blair was um he was like he he made it all right to be labor if you were more conservative I think and he and by this time had started the war in Iraq and he with George Bush and there was the mass, there was a huge protest and pretty much everyone turned on him at that point so by about 2003, 2004, everyone just thought he was a wanker and everyone was saying he was a wanker. And um, it was really only the kind of marks of the world that were standing up for Tony Blair by that point. So that, that's why that line makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad, by the way, that we've gotten a proper wanker on this uh, podcast, finally. <laughs> it slipped out, sorry. It's, uh, it's just in my natural vernacular. No, so. no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it sounds it sounds much better coming from somebody with an accent than it, it does out of me, so you're perfectly fine. This All these shows are marked with explicit content, so, you know... What the fuck yep. we like. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. So Jeremy also tells Mark that they're going to be going down um, National Express, and and Mark is it's like kind of looks at Jeremy and he goes, "Are they good this band?" And Jeremy just is like, "Bunch of wankers, no, a bunch of wankers." Yeah. yeah. And then Mark's just like, "Sounds wonderful." <laughs> yeah, I 
love to come. <laughs> and then we get we get Jeremy and Mark sitting on on a bus, and this part really, really, this whole scene just cracks me the fuck up with from the kid in the seat in front of him that's like kneeling, like looking at him. And I like how it's not really referred to. They never sort of say that the kid's annoying him. He's just staring at him the whole yeah. time, and it's. Yeah. <laughs> and in this, I love the POV shots in this because they're all so tight just because of how close Mark and Jeremy are sitting next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really do, I love the, Jeremy's like, Wicked, thank God we're not in the van. I can't believe we're going back to Dottie. And then he just starts singing, you know, there's no quim like to party. And then Mark just picks up, like, the quim down in Darty. I love how absolutely mortified Mark looks as well when he has to say the second bit of that and he's just completely just looks like this is the worst thing that he's ever he just he clearly hates taking part in it it's brilliant uh, he, he asked Jeremy he said did you ever appeal your degree Mark what is a what is, like what does that mean so I take that to mean because actually when I was doing my notes and I was transcribing it I thought oh that doesn't make any sense because he's saying his own name and then I thought oh no I think what it is is so when we get our degree here you get a number and that number or that percentage um, equals the class, the classification of your degree. So my guess is that Jeremy got a mark so low that he couldn't even get a third. Is my <laughs> that's my assumption from that. And that he's, yeah, but he's a, if he maybe appealed and had a couple more marks, he might have been able to get a third. But he didn't appeal because he didn't go to university to get a degree. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that line when he's just like, I didn't line. go to university to get a degree, Mark. <laughs> We, this was uh, this episode aired at the time I was in the first year at university, and this was we used to say this all the time. And I had a housemate who used to he's this, this was like his mantra. So <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one thing that made me so excited when you said that because you had mentioned that in a in an email that that this played while you were actually in school. So that was another reason I was really excited to have you on for this was just to get that you know, young college kids perspective of, of this episode. Cause you and I are, are pretty close to each other in age. So now, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I'm well removed from that kind of a mindset, but you know, it's, it's awesome to kind of hear like that, you know, that this, cause I, I guess I always thought peep show had not really amounted to much over there. It was one of those things. It was a proper slow burner. So by the time it got to like the third series over here, in about 2005, it was it was sort of being nominated for BAFTAs and winning them. And then Ricky Gervais got up, I think, at the BAFTAs or maybe it was the British Comedy Awards and said, this is like the most underrated show. Like, why is no one watching it? And no one was really watching it, but it did really well on like DVD sales. So that's why it kept getting recommissioned was that people were watching it. But probably like people watch things today, it wasn't in a traditional model of how people watch the telly. That's... And I don't really watch Family Guy right now, but that was honestly kind of the same thing that happened with Family Guy over here is that it was on air for three seasons. It kind of had middling ratings, and so Fox canceled it, but then it just crushed it in DVD sales, uh, you know, enough to the point where after, like, probably being off the air for, like, three or four years, Fox ended up bringing it back, and it unfortunately is still on the air at this point, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah jump the shark as we were saying earlier maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, that's that's interesting because i you know like the the jlb the peep show jlb survivors group on facebook has like twelve thousand members or something like that and yeah. i 
I just never imagined there would be peep show community that had that many people. Yeah, I'm sure everyone of about our age was watching it. I think everyone probably like those. I bet those twelve thousand people all aged between about twenty eight and thirty eight. I bet everyone is in that demographic because they don't know anyone outside of that age group that ever watched it. But everyone of that age at that time was so my cousin that lives in sandwich with her husband i remember i sent her like probably i don't know maybe about a year before series nine premiered i sent her a message and i was like oh my gosh i i'm watching this show oh my gosh it's so funny uh have you ever heard of this show called peep show and she was just like uh-huh yeah uh, i watch it all the time <laughs> sean like like I, I, I feel like if she could have like reached through the computer monitor and like slapped me, she probably would have done that. <laughs> you thought you discovered this little unknown thing, and it yeah. was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also really it, after this, after Jeremy says he, you know, didn't go to university to to get a degree, he starts talking about ancient history with Mark and. There's a really, really funny scene. A lot of this, some part, the really funny part of the scene is visual, but I really just like Jeremy here. Thank God we're not in the van. God, I can't believe we're going back to Darty. There's no Quim likes to party. Like the Quim down in Darty. <laughs> yeah, those are the days. Did you ever appeal about your degree, Mark? Who cares about that shit? I didn't go to university to get a degree. No, of course. Anyway, no use regretting the past. I wish I'd done ancient history, but... I thought you did do ancient history. I did business studies, Jeremy, for three years, and I talked to you about it daily. Right. I could tell him that's all ancient history now. He probably wouldn't like that joke. Oh, well, that's all ancient history now. David Mitchell's expressions are just so goddamn funny. He proper frowns, doesn't he? It's like the dictionary definition of frowns. <laughs> Yeah. If you ever wanted to see somebody who looked completely unhappy about a joke, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's this image is used a ton in the JLB survivors group when people make like really really stupid jokes. The response is typically this image. <laughs> and then I really like this next part too, where where they see the the band in the in the tour. Oh, in the the car park, yeah. <laughs> and. And they, they, Jeremy just makes this phone call and he's trying to prank call Hands and, and Hands just sees it's Jeremy and just hangs up on him. Oh, it's kind of sad, isn't it? It kind of does tug at your heartstrings a little bit when you see that. You just see him put the phone down on him. It's good. Yeah. And then I like how Jeremy just kind of blows it off where he's like, oh, those guys. Nah. <laughs> Have you ever tried calling Jeremy's phone number? Actually, on the JLB Survivors the other day, someone started the thread, didn't they? And I texted it, but they didn't text back. It was an iPhone, and it was received, so I know it got there, but no, they didn't text back. Clearly, they had a lot of those texts. <laughs> that I wonder if that I wonder how much the owner of that phone number gets like these weird random text messages. It's just blocking those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Next, so after after that, we get over to where we're actual at Dartmouth University, and and Mark is standing kind of in a lobby of this building, and he's just waiting for all the students to start kind of filtering past. And this kid walks past him, and he's laughing, and Mark's just like, "Oh, you won't be laughing so hard when the loan repayments kick in. I suppose <laughs> you can always defer." Are you are you also like uh, some typical millennials in America that are just kind of like saddled with student loan debt and the idea of ever paying them back is just soul crushing? 
you know, I'm actually all right because I was in, I was only in the like fourth or third or fourth year to pay tuition fees. So they weren't, they were only, they were 1500 quid when I started university, but then they went up. Um, my husband's two years younger than me and his were like £4,000, I think, his fees. And now they're like £9,000. They've gone up in increments ever since. So actually, at this time, it wasn't so bad. He probably wouldn't have cared about his loan repayments. I think I've paid mine back now and I'm not, I'm only 31. So it's whereas nowadays, you know, you're looking at the kids at university now are going to be paying that back when they're 60. You know, it's going to get written off before they, re- like, they'll retire before they can ever pay it. So... It actually wasn't too bad now. And also, Mark probably wouldn't have had a student loan, I don't think, or it would have been very minimal. So I don't know. When he says you won't be laughing so much when they kick in, I don't think he's got any experience of this, actually. Yeah, I wish you could see my face right now because when you said that your tuition... So your tuition a semester was 1,500 quid? A year. A year? Yeah, yeah. So it was only... So I only came out with, like four and a half thousand pounds worth of debt from from student from the actual tuition i'm like picking my jaw up off the floor right now (laughs) it was cheap to go to university then yeah i i went to a community college um i don't do they have like kind of an equivalent of a community college do you know what a community college is? so we used to have polytechnics and universities and polytechnics were probably the equivalent they were like yeah they were cheaper yeah yeah like hnds which like two years degrees here and then in the early 90s, it all got amalgamated. So we've just got universities now. Oh, okay. Because I go to a community college here. My community, my tuition for one semester. All right. That's so. And I took I took three classes. So nine credit hours. My tuition for one semester taking three classes was $1,100. Plus my books were like another 500 that's crazy that's that actually makes uh that yeah that even makes the the sort of fees now or certainly a few years ago look reasonable that is insane so what is what's the semester like two months um let me think here i guess it was like five months because it it went from january or it went from february to may so it was like three months that's crazy that's yeah that's well, we've got nothing to really mind about over here, then, have we? It's not as bad. Everyone's <laughs> that tuition fees, but they're actually quite reasonable. <laughs> here, I gotta tell you, the more the the longer this podcast is going on, I'm I'm really wanting to move over to England now. I see why my <laughs> uncle came there and never left. <laughs> yeah, the um, the fees are more now, but I suppose at least you do get. And our loans are. I don't know if yours are the same, but our loans have got a very low rate of interest. So even mm-hmm. if you're having to get a loan to cover all of it, it's not like a bank loan. You're not going to pay huge interest on that. And in fact, when I went to university, the interest was, I don't think it was nothing, but it was like virtually nothing. I was in the military. Right. When you're in the military, after you get out, you have a thing called the GI Bill, which the GI Bill helps pay for your your tuition so that you don't... Okay. Um, I personally don't have any student loan debt, but like my wife has a, a fair amount. And just when I look at some of her statements, sometimes I just want to I just want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the good thing about our student debt is that it doesn't really count as, as like commercial debt. So if you go to get a mortgage, it doesn't show up. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that at least is the same over here Honestly, as well too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's. But I know that it can go into like the tens of thousands of dollars for for Americans, and that's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 
so 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 naive uh <laughs> i and i mean that i mean that obviously in a polite way but yeah uh, yeah it's it's really it's really insane and you know it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because that bernie sanders who's kind of our equivalent of jeremy corbyn yeah. um his whole his whole thing was you know like government funded tuition so as was jeremy corbyn's but Apparently, we can't have that. That'd be, that'd be too nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was kind of how he. That's why he had so many, you know, college age kids like kind of, kind of drawn to him was this idea of, you know, like when my when my parents and I, I'm assuming your parents went to school. You know, they did not have this crippling student loan debt that you know followed them no, until they were dead. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't used to cost anything, and actually. When I said about that, I didn't think Mark would have had any student debt. I'm pretty sure I had a boyfriend who was similar aged, was a yeah, like probably born that year or the year that Mark would have been born, and he had like two thousand pounds of student debt, and that was he used that to go travelling. He went to Japan with it because he could have like <laughs> and he got it. And I think that Mark would have been in a similar position. So it was really only people that are now kind of like probably 36, 37. They were the first wave of proper student lines like mm-hmm. yeah and then as as the class is like let out he he sees april which i think it's amazing that he's actually able to find april that was, that's really unrealistic isn't it i know it's only pretend but i don't know about your university but mine was massive and it was on like three sites what are the chances that he's just oh he just bumped into april the community college i have has probably seven different buildings on it so yeah the <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's funny that he was just able to to bump into to April, and I like how he kind of calls after her. He's kind of like meekly, he's like, "Hey, hey, April." <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty unrealistic, but I suppose how were they going to meet? Facebook didn't exist then, so he, they had to engineer a way, didn't they, to get them to to meet in the universe? April is just completely, you know, not thrown off at all that this guy from the shoe store is at her college. Yeah, I thought that. I thought you'd be more like what the fuck you wouldn't be you wouldn't be as like oh do i know you oh yeah you were in the shoe shop would you you'd be you'd be like have you followed me here even if you didn't say have you followed me here you'd be thinking have you followed me here this is a bit peculiar i know she never she never seems at all like put off by this no no Throughout, like, the entire... That's one thing that I just kept, like, sticking out to me this entire episode is how, uh, like, uncaring she is that this random guy just happens to be at Dartmouth. Maybe she just thought it was one of those crazy coincidences. Yeah. I mean, in, in his lie, terrible. Uh, you know, when he talks about, like, oh, I'm a mature student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm mature. I went to Coventry for a week in error. That's, uh, yeah, that's... No one's believing that, are they? Or if they are, if they are swallowing that, they're idiots. And then, and then I like how she's you know, uh, oh, who's your, who's your professor? And, um, he's like, netball, Kaiser Soze. <laughs> and then he just looks at the door and he's like, Professor McLeish. <laughs> that was lucky as well that his name was on the door, wasn't it? That was fortunate. That's, uh, yeah. Do you think Peter Capaldi is the most famous actor that's on this show? Yeah, I guess, aside from Mitchell and themselves, but this kind of made them famous, didn't it? So by the mm-hmm. end, I guess they're the most famous people in it, but he is Doctor Who. That's a pretty big deal. So yeah, I think he is actually. Yeah, and he was he was also I believe he was on Thick of It at yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think that the Thick of It had just begun at this point. So yeah. Yeah, which uh, for American audience, Thick of It 
it was a political like kind of comedy show, but it was actually adapted in the US as Veep on HBO. Oh, is that? I didn't know that was an adaptation of Think of It. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's because uh, I've got a friend who's always telling me to watch Veep, and I've it's one of those things that I've been like, yeah, I'll get round to that kind of thing. I didn't know it was an adaptation of the Think of It. So. I, I'm actually kind of surprised you have a friend that watches Veep because I, I feel like that shows like Thick of It and Veep are require you to have a knowledge of the political system. It's like House of Cards. I really enjoy House of Cards, but I'm also a political junkie. Mm. I, I, from the from a British perspective, I really like the British House of Cards. I can't get into the American ones. I don't know. Oh, I forgot. System in America, so it's like I've only to be fair. I watched the first season when I was pregnant with my elder daughter and perhaps i wasn't in the most sort of you know you know political mindset or whatever at that point but i I feel like i need to know more about the american political system to to get it i forgot that house of cards was a british series yeah yeah it was yeah it was a it was an adaptation of a book i think wasn't it um you know it just but but back to peter capaldi like i was just so it, it was funny because i never realized that it was peter capaldi until I don't know, like, how long, he's been Doctor Who for a couple years now, but I think it was after, I watched the episode where he debuted as Doctor Who, and then I was kind of just doing, like, my annual or monthly rewatch of the series, and I came across this one, and I was like, oh my god, that's Peter Capaldi, and I think he's the only guest actor in this entire series where I could actually say their name, and you could probably tell me something he was in. I don't think there's anyone else that... Yeah, that is comparable, actually, to Peter Capaldi. Everyone else is like, oh, I've seen her in this, I've seen her in that. So April was in, I don't know if you've ever watched the IT crowd, um, but April was in the IT crowd playing a very similar part. And I think that that had been on at this point, or it was like a similar time. And there's lots of actors like that where it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen them in this, and they were in one episode of that, but never someone that, like you say, you know their name. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like... I like this part here where Mark's, you know, Mark just sort of like starts going with the flow and he's just walking into the tutorial and he's like, why am I walking into the jaws of death? The jaws of death should do their best to be avoided. <laughs> you so identify with that as well, don't you? The amount of things in my life that I've done thinking pretty much exactly that. And it's like, yeah, spot on. That is that is why Mark is so ident- like, I identify so much with him at this point in his arc of storyline. As I've as I've grown as I've grown older, I think that I that those kinds of instances where I'm like, oh my god, why am I doing this? I shouldn't be doing this. Um, subsided, but yeah, I mean, I remember in my young twenties where I would be doing something and I'm like, oh my god, why am I doing this? Like, this makes no sense. But yeah, it's like a daily occurrence for me. Yeah, I was just I was just an idiot at that age. I was just always doing stuff that. I was thinking, why are you doing this? Well, don't do this, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and Professor McLeish is pretty much a very, very stereotypical like history professor where he's like, there is no new history, only new historians. And then he calls out Mark for not being in the tutorial last week. And then Mark is like, oh, I went to the wrong school for a week. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And that, that doesn't happen either. So it's such an, I, I, I don't know anyone that started at one university and then just appeared like why he swallows that i don't know but maybe he just hasn't got the energy to work it out. yeah yeah i and i like how he is able to just kind of steal some education and he's like oh people just walking around going into rooms and saying things it's all a big swizzle <laughs> it's a brilliant line it, it's funny after this episode i i have often kind of just wanted to just walk into a class one day 
bet, like at my. I bet, I bet you could even in these days of increased security and stuff. I'm sure that you could just walk into, especially a lecture where no one ever took attendance at my lectures. I have to say there are a lot of us. So Mark has this line where he's like, "I'm doing it, Dad. I'm studying ancient history because I can completely imagine." mark and his dad having this like young mark having this conversation with his dad where he's like well i want to go to university for an ancient history degree and his dad just you know being like a complete dick about it especially as we later meet his dad don't we and we it's quite clear that he is that sort of guy but even before we meet him you've got a very clear image in your head just from bits and pieces that mark says of this sort of scary dad who he's yeah yeah, in uh, in Dream Job, when when the psychiatrist asks him about dad, and he's like Führer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we go back outside the student union where we see Jeremy, and Jeremy is is being a a roadie, despite the fact that he does not really, <laughs> you know, want to be a roadie. And I, this there's a little visual gag in the scene that I I fucking love when the girl walks up to Jeremy and asks if he's in the band and he's like I sure am little lady and she hands him the flyer to sign and he just writes Jez but then he just draws like this big squiggle yeah, of the name doesn't it <laughs> yeah and then as he's like talking to this girl Pete from the band is like hey you know go get us lattes and Jeremy's like oh, okay and then as Pete walks off he's like fuck off pete in this kind of yeah <laughs> it's it's very similar to when mark is like good riddance yeah yeah nazi i really I, I love in this show when when the two characters decide to like stand up for themselves but they do it after the person has left the room and they just do it super meekly it, that always cracks me up yeah that happens a lot doesn't it it's, it's pretty true to life i'd say that's yeah we go back to the tutorial room and and not much has really happened outside of mcleish has invited mark and april to one of his semi-legendary gatherings and um <laughs> what would what would you think if a teacher offered or invited you to a semi-legendary gathering yeah it's a sex party isn't it there's no way that he's not intending on trying to sleep with one of the girls there like it's so dodgy, and that it's, uh, that's definitely what's going on here, I'm sure. Yeah, as we see the party later, definitely think you're onto something there. <laughs> I think as well, if you ever watch Fresh Meat, which was also written by the, the same writers, are you familiar with that? Have you ever seen it? Mm, I have not. Oh, well, you should. It's very good, but there's a, there's a professor in that who I think is like, I think maybe he uses some of the material that maybe they might have had for professional collegiate and maybe was in their minds, and he... That's exactly what he does. Is he ends up sleeping with one of the girls on the course, and I think that it's um, they're very much in the same universe. These two characters of that this is what Professor McLeish has got in mind. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds great. Uh, through this podcast, I've actually discovered like Bruisers. Did you ever watch Bruisers? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, that was before. Oh, that wasn't it. It was it was a long time ago now. So it was like. 2000? Yeah, 2000. Yeah. I talked about this a little bit last week, so I don't want to go too back deep down the bruisers path, but Martin Freeman on that show is so goddamn funny. Yeah, he's really and it's not, it's not the kind of role that I would expect Martin Freeman, because my, I, and I think a lot of America's Martin Freeman introduction was the stunt double in Love Actually, the porn stunt yeah, double yeah. in Love Actually. Yeah. And then Bilbo Boggins in the in the Hobbit movies. Yeah, not like that at all, is it, really? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, just to see him, like, 
being so like swearing and um stuff like just it really threw me off it, but very very funny i watched more of bruisers this week while we were in between like recording sessions i was just hooked on the show it's so so funny i was interested to hear it's all on youtube actually because i've not i've probably not seen it since like not since it aired i have watched it since but it's been a long time and i thought i'm gonna have to get on that because i do remember it being really really good oh the the episode called get out of my house i mean if you it's like probably one of the funniest five minutes of sketch comedy i've seen it's uh basically this guy is talking and if people say something he doesn't like he just is like get out of my house get out of my house and his wife it, there's this there's this part where he introduces this poor lady to like 10 people and he's like okay do you got it and the and it's the lady i cannot remember her name um she's like yeah i got it and he's just like all right, well, who's sitting next to Jeremy? And, you know, she starts, like, struggling for a name, and, and his wife, who's Olivia Coleman, is like, oh, she just doesn't remember. She just doesn't remember. And he's like, no, she said she got it, so she needs to tell me who is sitting next to him. So it's pretty... Yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely going to go and revisit that. Swing, yeah, and then we go back to the union bar, and the girl from outside that got Jeremy's autograph, she's now, I would imagine, has bought Jeremy a drink, and there's another guy at the table, and he actually doesn't even have a name in the script book. His name is just, like, male student. Actually, he doesn't even have a... Oh, student fan, yeah. And she asked him a, she asked him a question about the band, and this is a, a wonderful running peep show gag, is where one character will ask Jeremy or Mark a question, and they both just instantly tune um, the person out and start thinking about just something altogether, and then they try to come back and answer the question. <laughs> It's not even. Is she saying something about creating a record label? But then it never. <laughs> you never hear the rest of it. It's yeah, I, I like. Uh, I like Jeremy. Yeah, she's talking about how she wants to create this record label for bands that have trouble getting signed on re regular record labels. And Jeremy's just like, mm, maybe she'll suck me off after the gig. What about <laughs> Nancy? I love Nancy. What am I going to do when she starts trying to suck me off? I love it. Like he's like he's got no control over this situation, which is so jazz. But it's like this is just gonna happen to me, and what will I do? Yeah, and then and then as he comes back in, he just looks at this girl, and he's just like, "Sorry, I just gotta tell you, I have a girlfriend." <laughs> <laughs> and and she just kind of looks at him like, "Oh, okay, well that's oh, yeah, not... disgusting." I think he's brilliant. Yeah, at that point. Uh, that's not really what I was asking, but uh, yeah. you know, sure, whatever. <laughs> And then, and then at the meantime, at the same time that this uh, is all going on, Mark and, and April are over at the the student union bar, and he is like pouring champagne for them. And April is like, "Well, aren't you worried about maxing out your student loans?" And Mark's just like, "Ah, fuck it, I'll get another one." <laughs> <laughs> you can always defer. I, that is a great. I line. can always defer. And then, uh, and then as this is all going on, Jeremy comes over and and. He's just like, oh, Mark, you're here. And Jeremy like points at April and he's like, oh, so how do you two know each other? And um, Mark has this great scene. We're just going to go ahead and play it here. Mark, you're here. You didn't say. You're here. <laughs> so how do you two know each other? Oh, let's not talk about that shit. This is what I do. I come from here. We're all people after all with hands and feet. We met in a tutorial. You were in a tutorial? <laughs> Yeah, well, I know I party pretty hard, but I do occasionally go to tutorials. What? Well, I mean, you've got to go to tutorials if you're doing a, 
history degree. You're doing a history degree? That's right, Jeremy. He's in a band. I've got to lift down with him. His hearing's gone, all the gigs. So, how long are you going to be down here for? Three years? Well, that's how long undergraduate degrees are, last time I checked. So that's it? You're not coming back? Nope. So, what shall I do? Rent out your room? Well, of course rent out the room. We've been over this, Jeremy. Have we? That's right, Jeremy. But I, I don't understand. Come on, let me get you a drink. I'll explain everything all over again. You're stalking her? No, it's a passionate romantic gesture. Right. Well, I won't say a word. Good luck with the stalking. I'm not stalking her. <laughs> I like how... I like how Mark is, uh, what does he call it, extreme liking? <laughs> yeah, that's such a Mark thing to say. I'm not stalking her, this is an ex uh, like extreme act of affection or something like that. Passionate romantic gesture. <laughs> yeah, passionate romantic gesture, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I know most people that would just say that's stalking. Yeah, that's definitely stalking. Pete from Executioner's Bong comes over to talk to Jeremy, and he tells Jeremy that some of the guys are pissed off at Superhands because he nicked some booze and stole a maraca. <laughs> and this doesn't phase Jeremy because fuck it, he can just do it with one maraca. But Pete is like, um, well, what we were thinking is that we would bump Superhands and have you take over. Is that a big deal? And without even thinking, Jeremy's just like, oh no, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fine. I've thought about it and. Yeah, I'd feel fine. <laughs> it's so unconvincing that he even has any kind of moral quandary about it, isn't it? He's just like, oh yeah, he doesn't give a shit. It's really one of my favorite Jeremy traits is that when there's something he wants, he does like this little pretend thing where he, you know, tries to pretend that he doesn't want it, but really yeah, he does. Really does. Like a small child, it's like, yeah, it's very transparent. <laughs> It's like in a funeral when Mark invites him to go to the cabin and he tries to play it off like he doesn't want to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go over to Mr. Rashid's store and Mark is like looking at all the wine and he's, you know, uh, could I get something cheaper? Dare I break the two pounds barrier? <laughs> <laughs> I think that shows how old this is, that there's absolutely no way you could buy a bottle of wine for two ninety nine. dollars That wouldn't happen. It just is absolutely no way, but... In 2004, you probably could. Yeah, and Mark has this great line where he's talking about, oh, it's just going to be in the the communal group, so nobody's really going to know what I brought. Yeah, it doesn't how profit is. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, of course, Mark, being the, the tight-fisted cock muncher, asks the clerk, you know, do you have anything cheaper? And I love that the clerk just gives him a blank stare, because if this was in America with the way, uh, like, my customer service job, even when customers are, like, we know that the customer is wrong, we still have to, you know, like, make an effort to help them. But I like how this guy is just, like, just Yeah, there's nothing that here, much less in a crappy corner shop like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you're, lucky to, you're lucky that they're even looking up from their newspaper generally to serve you, so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that Mark has enough situational awareness that he decides not to keep pushing this, because I actually have a friend who would probably keep pushing until the guy actually went back to check. <laughs> And then at this point, you know, Jeremy is talking about, oh, look, they moved our bus stop. And Mark has this, you know, is talking about how things are always, you know, times are always changing. Things are always changing. And as they're about to walk out of the store, Mr. Rashid uh, walks over and just pulls a another obviously fake candy bar out of Jeremy's pocket. I like when he says that I'm not a student. I am a real person. That's a, that's a great line. I love that. 
Oh, that that makes me laugh every single time because it, he it's funny that despite himself once being a student, he just review he just uh, views students as these like subhuman <laughs> monsters. And then of course we get you know we get Mark and he's trying to negotiate with Mister Rashid and he's like, "It's us. It's it's the L Dude Brothers. You gave us that out of date hummus and Jez was really ill and we laughed about it and." As this is all going Banks on, doesn't even crack. He's just like doesn't even acknowledge oh. that what Mark's saying. He's just having none of it. I wonder if he's bummed that he didn't actually kill Jeremy and or Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but the the scene like flips over to a sign where it there's a sign on the door that says "We always" and "always" is in like probably red letters, capitalized with like four lines underneath it. Prosecute shoplifters, Mister P- uh, Mister Rashid kind of drags Mark and Jeremy and he locks them down into kind of the basement of the of the corner store and we get this really funny back and forth scene where they're talking about what they're going to do and it has Mark uh or Jeremy kind of throwing Mark under the bus a little bit and I love it when you, that. you know how I feel about capitalism that's my favorite bit there Oh yeah let's uh, it's one of my favorite parts too let's go ahead and play this I can't believe he called the police I've got to get out. I'm meant to be on stage any fucking minute. What the hell were you thinking? Why didn't you just pay for it? They should be paying us to eat that crap, Mark. Stealing things just makes everything very cheap. Plus, you know how I feel about capitalism. Yes, confused. Look, Mark, I'm supposed to be on stage right now. I was wondering, maybe you could somehow take the rap for me. We could say I was in your thrall, like Hindley. No way, Jeremy. Right now, April's probably getting chatted up by some student who's also worked out she's got the magical combo of beauty and low self-esteem. Okay, okay, here's the plan. Good cop, bad cop. I say I'm ill, Mr. Rashid comes in, all sympathetic. You stand there, hit him, gently but firmly, until he stops not moving, but resisting. We exit post-haste, yeah? We murder Mr. Rashid. What is it with you and stealing and murdering today? You're mad on it. Right. Come on, let's just do it. No, Jeremy, there's procedures, forms. We need to go through the proper channel. All right, all right. Since you're so set on a life of crime, no point in adding criminal damage as well. Great, cheer up, mate. We're outlaws, out on the lamb. Like Bonnie and Clyde, Butch and Sundance. I'm going to leave a tenor and a note. <laughs> I love I love when he's like, are all your solutions murder? <laughs> <laughs> I love as well how Jeremy is always like, it just goes from 0 to 60. So he's sort of like, uh, we could, and then we could say I was in your thrall, like Hindley, and it's the way he just sort of says it, like, matter-of-factly, like, no! <laughs> Yeah, and and it's it's funny because uh, we see that we see that like zero to sixty a lot in from Jeremy in this in the series too, where uh, an event that should normally be you know it could easily be explained away as like an accident or you know uh, a mistake is just completely you know driven. Yeah, yeah. Mark's uh, all, all I I think all I need to say is Mark's stag party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do wonder though, how did Mr. Rashid get him into the basement? Because surely Jez wouldn't have gone willingly. So has he strong armed him into the basement? How has this happened? That's a big <laughs> question mark, I think. 
I can imagine Mark going within there and saying that he'd wait for the police, but I can't imagine Jez doing it, so... Maybe the big guy behind the counter who, I think the script book has his name as Mr. Rashid's son? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could be, he could have been involved in it. Yeah, maybe Mr. Rashid's son helped him out. <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to talk about in the scene is that I feel like that, that Mark is like a real asshole in the way that he talks about April, where he just tells Jeremy, you know, oh, it's a magical combo of beauty and low self-esteem. And I, I feel like that that is like a pretty harsh way to describe them. I do think as well that it's a little bit out of character for Mark because he's kind of like, obviously, he's got this whole thing going on under the surface where like when he's hacking Sophie's emails where he's trying to use a back doorway to get in with her but i don't think that he'd be as disrespectful of april as to say that he might maybe think it but i don't know that he would say out loud to that seems more like a jazz thing to say so i agree that it's a bit of a bum note maybe here yeah but you know you also see it in on the poll when when sophie is like oh valerie seems nice and he's just like she's nothing yeah you know, I, I, like that little devil on his shoulder coming out and that occasionally and we sort of Maybe what's in his head slips out a little bit, but I agree that it's it's not really the mark I think I know early on here. Yeah. Also, uh, also one other funny thing that I noticed in this scene too is when they're in Mr. Patel's store, it's like bright and sunny outside. When they first come into the basement, it's like dusk, mm, and then by the time they escape out of the basement, it's like pitch black outside. So it just it cracks me up how the fast the time moves here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we get Jeremy at the student union and, um, he's, he's telling the ticket guy, like, look, I don't need to buy a ticket. I'm in the band. I got waylaid. There's been a mix up. I don't belong here with the shit munchers. And then he's like, do I look like a civilian? And he like opens up his like army jacket to show some sort of shirt. <laughs> then he's just like, he ends up buying a ticket and he's just like, you are going to be so embarrassed in about five minutes. That's such a great bit. Yeah, and then and then he walks in and super hands is back up on the stage and and he's just like moving and grooving and doing his thing. And I I love the way Matt King is. He looks like he's just having a great time in this scene. He is ironically it's pure best here. It's pure best dancing he's doing. But like you say, Matt King just absolutely nails it. He just looks like he's just absolutely embodied super hands at that point. Mm -hmm. And then I like how I like how Jeremy waits until uh, Hands does like a stage dive, and then he just he just jumps up onto the stage and just grabs the microphone, and he's like, "Let's do it! Let's have at it! Let's have some more of it!" I love like the faux Cockney accent he puts on as well to to do that. Like he's getting down with the kids that way. <laughs> and then he's escorted off the stage by security guards who decide to grab onto his testicles, and I like when he's like. My my bollocks out! Oh, you 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 grabbing my bollocks? Uh, oh god! Oh god! My bollocks! <laughs> uh, that that scene is uh, I love that. I love how he's just so like. <laughs> and then we get back to uh, Professor McLeish's house, and we get to see what a a semi legendary gathering uh, looks like over at McLeish's house, and um, I really really enjoy this entire scene because. As Laura said, uh, it definitely kind of has the vibes of a sex party. <laughs> yeah, you think like they're only one joint away from this all becoming a bit crazy, <laughs> and that's the that's the vibe that you're getting here. Yeah, it's like um, it's like Gail's boathouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And uh, it comes in and Mark is telling this this joke and he's like, and unfortunately the source material appears to be Asterix the Gaul, which I had no idea what who or what Asterix the Gaul is. Do you know what it is? Oh yeah, do you not get Asterix over there? It's a little French cartoon. Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I had to look I had to look this up and I was reading about it and I was like, Oh, this sounds like something I would be interested in. But yeah, it's a park in Paris. I've been, it's shit, but it's it's a theme park based on Asterix. I'll have to check that out. And then uh, McLeish asks Mark if he wants to write a column for Rhombus, which Rhombus is the magazine that Professor McLeish publishes. And McLeish tells him that he'd have to shit all over his hero, but Mark is like perfectly okay with that. And he just thinks to himself, I could, you know, I could do this even as not a student. I could pen my insight from the safety of my flat, the Zorro of academia. Who is that mass intellectual who so pricks our propensity and... He takes a sip of his cheap wine. He's like, ooh, ooh, that's rough. <laughs> I love how he's just totally found his niche with these people. And I think it's probably the only time in the whole series that you really see, like, if Mark's life had been different, maybe he could have had friends like this. And you know, he might have been more comfortable in his skin, but these are yeah. the people and he only gets to hang out with them for like an hour. Yeah, and then I love, I love when uh, McLeish reaches over for Mark's bottle of wine and Mark just like, like he did to Sophie a few episodes ago, he just kind of like shoves him back and, and McLeish is like, oh, special, special bottle. And he's like, oh, it's, I just like to know how much I've, I've drank in case things happen. And then he's like, I don't mean date rape. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like as a joke, I probably shouldn't laugh about, but the way that Mark is just, McLeish probably doesn't think anything of no, it. I was going to say, it's so unlikely that would be what McLeish is thinking. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Because like, I think he actually asked Mark if he's driving, and so, I mean, which is the more obvious, you know... Yeah, just lying, so you're driving, Mark, come on. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, Mark Mark instantly goes to, to date rate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, right around this point in time, April kind of walks out of the room, and, and Jeremy knocks on the door. One thing I never thought about, how did he know where the house was? Yeah, that's a plot hole as well. I thought that when I was watching it and making notes on it was, unless... No, there's there's no reasonable reason that Mark would have told him the address is there. You know, it's uh, unlikely. Jeremy has time to be a realist, and I love Jeremy and McLeish's little like back and forth here. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna play that part. Hello. Hello. Do I know you? No, I'm a friend of Mark's, and I've just had all my dreams smashed by the most punctual electro dub outfit in Britain. Bollocks! He shouldn't be here. There's limited room in the inner ring. That's why it's the inner ring. So, you all look pretty happy being students. Well, I've got news for you. The shitstorm is coming. That's the real world out there. And let me tell you, baby, it is fucked. Is uh, that what Dr Chomsky and Michael Moore have been telling you? In lieu of a degree? I've got a degree, my friend. Oh, yeah. I was here in the glory years, mid-90s. Britpop was kicking off. Four Weddings had just come out. It was mental. Four Weddings? It's a film, Alistair, very popular at the time, about weddings. Oh, come on. You have seen Four Weddings. You're trying to make out you're this oh-so-clever professor who hasn't got time to watch Four Weddings or Ghostbusters or whatever like the rest of us. Well, I'm not buying it. All I can say is I spend my free time reading rather than sitting around watching Ghostbusters. And what exactly is the problem with Ghostbusters? 
Oh, oh, look how many books I've got. I must be clever. Yeah? Well, let's have a look at some of these books, yeah? Let's see how really great they are. No, Jeremy, don't manhandle the books. Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser. The look on her face was one of disappointment. That's good, is it? What's good about that? I don't actually care for Dreiser. Oh, oh, I see. These are just rows and rows of books that you don't really like. What do you do all day? Just sit around not reading them? I think you've said enough, friend. Look, Jez, why don't you go and lie down in the recovery position for a while? Oh, or... this is all bollocks, Mark. You don't belong here with the pointy heads. Tell them. Go on, tell them. Tell them what? That I'm a hard-working, mature student? He's not a mature student. He's been a loan manager for the last five years. He lives with me and he eats ready meals and we play Guess the Revels and we watch Men in Black in front of our massive telly and we have a fucking good time. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, gotta be the realist, but I, I like that he, that McLeish pretends that he has all this fancy stuff and um, that he's like this intellectual, but Jeremy, like, properly calls him out for not really being the intellectual that he thinks he is. Yeah, there's no way he hasn't seen forwardings. There's everyone's seen forwardings. It's, it's but he definitely has best. Uh, is is Four Weddings a British movie or is it like a like Four a, Weddings? Oh my god, yes, it's a it was um it was where Hugh Grant like made his name. That was how he Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I know, I know the plot. I mean, I've heard of it. I know that it came out over here because I remember, I remember like that, like you said, that was kind of Hugh Grant's big, uh, big deal. But yeah, I've never actually, I've never actually seen it. I've also never seen uh, Betty Blue. But when I read the synopsis of it, it doesn't really sound like a movie that's uh, up my alley either. So <laughs> it's one of those films you have to watch when you're at university over here. So it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like I like how Mark's. Uh, you know, Mark is like, come on, April, let's go. And and McLeish is like, we're all just going to smoke a joint and read Logan's, Logan's Homer. See, that was you when can play sex- Helen. Oh, definitely. That was when the sex party was going to start. Yeah. And then Mark's Mark's uh, Mark's rebuttal is like, I've got sw- six quid. Let's go buy two bottles of Thunderbird and see who can get drunk the fastest. We next come to uh, the halls of residence where April's living and we see them. Uh, do they are they going into her room or are they actually in the room? I think they're in the room, aren't they? Uh, sorry, April asked Mark which one is your dorm, and he's like, "Oh, Kaiser Soze Hall." <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we had a hall for our for the mature students at my university, and we used to call it Kaiser Soze Hall after this. So uh, <laughs> that trickled down into uh, from popular culture into our lives. Did they keep the mature students segregated from you so that you didn't, uh, so that they didn't infect you with their diligence and lust for knowledge? I assume so. It was the only halls that was clean, and it was the only halls where anyone ever really did revision openly. So I think that was why. I like when they go in there, and and April's just like, "Oh, I've just got such a traditional, you know, uh, female dorm," and um, Mark's, you know, sees like the Betty Blue poster, and she's like. Oh, I've never even I've never even seen it. And Mark's just like, "Oh, good sex and suicide flick turned men on to a whole generation of women with mental issues." <laughs> yeah, I got the feeling maybe that when he said that, that maybe um, perhaps April might have fallen into that kind of category. I thought she had the potential to be like a neurotic kind of, you know, slightly neurotic, mentally ill student <laughs> girl. <laughs> that that is a that is a distinct possibility. For some reason, it never dawned on me how just goddamn depressing this entire scene is. Yeah, it's probably bleak. Where 
where they're Mark and 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 April are sitting on her bed. April pretty much is putting out all the signs that you know she wants to kiss or do other stuff with Mark. Mark's just thinking to himself, he's like, just lean in, pull her towards me. This is my chance, and I'm doing nothing. I am now this instant missing my chance. And you just want to shake him, don't you? You want to you want to get into the screen and shake him at that point. Oh, oh, it is, it is, it's terrible. And I, I think back to my life, and I'm sure that, and I'm sure that this is probably really relatable for a lot of people because I imagine that this kind of exchange is probably pretty common at some point in everybody's life. Yeah, definitely, especially for blokes. I think more so than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, you're probably on the end going like, okay, I'm. Come on, yeah. What what else do I need to what other body language do I need to put out here? Like, come on, dude, just kiss me. Yeah, yeah. Like, goddamn. Yeah, definitely. And then April just super politely tells Mark that she's going to bed and, and Mark's just like, Mm-hmm. Okay. And he walks out of the, the room and I never I never noticed this part either until you mentioned it to me where Jeremy's just sleeping on the floor like a homeless person. I I I had noticed it before, but in watching it again in preparation for this podcast. It properly made me laugh out loud, and the fact that he's just not even alluded to, like he doesn't. Mark says, "Doesn't like I'm not sleeping with him or something," but he doesn't. It's not even really alluded to. And why has he got a sleeping bag? And why is he on the floor outside? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like, what the fuck do all the students think the next morning when they walk up and there's this homeless guy like sleeping in their hallway? <laughs> uh, and uh, and then you know we get this. So Mark kind of reaches deep down inside and and says, you know, like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna go back in there. I don't need to keep myself pure for Sophie. Um, come on, she can only only hurt me emotionally, and um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and play like their next exchange when Mark comes back because I I can't really do it any justice, and it is absolutely like soul crushing. Come on, she can only hurt me emotionally. Look, just now, I, I wanted to make the move. And I just want to know, if, if I make the move now, even though, ad- admittedly, the, the moment has sort of gone, you're not going to back away or look disgusted or anything, are you? Great. Thanks. gonna go to the loo. Okay. Hi Sophie, Uh, it's Mark here, sorry to call so late. I just wanted to leave you a message to remind you to print out the proposal docs for the big meet tomorrow at 5pm. Anyway, I'm just down in Dartmouth at the moment with a lovely young student girl. Things are going pretty well. I just made the move, which went brilliantly, and so now we're probably gonna go to bed. Anyway, see you tomorrow. Bye. Mark, listen, I was just thinking, don't get me wrong, I like you. I think I really like you. And I really like you. It's just, it's late. I've had a few wines. You can hardly focus on the bog roll, you know? Let's do this another night. Another night? That'd be fine if I hadn't lied about everything except my name. No, it, it's got to be... 
It, it should be tonight. Yeah, but we've both got to get up early. We're in Babylon at nine. Let, let's... Tonight. I, I really feel that the mood's right tonight. We've got three more years. Let's just lie here and cuddle. Oh, right. Nice cuddle. Hi. Oh, h hello, Sophie. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm very sorry to have called you so late. I, I, I just thought you might have been interested in how things were going for me. But you're not. Oh, that is just... God, so brutal, Jesus. Why does he call Sophie? It doesn't even make any sense that you would call her, really. Yeah, I've never, I've never been able to figure that out. The only thing that I think maybe he's doing is that he's trying to, you know, like, oh, I can, I'm just fine without you. Yeah, but yeah, it just, just sort of sounds subtle and like he doesn't, like nonchalant and like he doesn't care, but it, it does not come across that way, does it? Yeah. Oh, it just, it's. Uh, it's so sad when, you know, she tells Mark that she, you know, like, wants to to be intimate with him, but, like, another night, and, and Mark's just like, uh, another, <laughs> a, another night? And he's like, no, no, it's it's got to be tonight. And the mood like, is right tonight, yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so sad hearing Mark yeah. just being, like, super pathetic, but, like, at the same time being, like, very, you know, realizing that everything's just gone to shit. Yeah, and when he, as well, when he says in his, in his head, his thought is, isn't it, something like she says, let's do it another night, and he's like, that'd be fine if I hadn't lied back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she says another night, and then in his head he's like, that would be fine if I hadn't lied about everything but my name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and then, do you think he slept in the bed with her, or do you think he slept on the floor? Probably on the floor. She says, doesn't she, let's cuddle, but I can't see how that would have, like lasted all night with them cuddling so i sort of just got an image of him sleeping on the floor with a jumper for a pillow and, <laughs> and then the and then the next morning we've got april and mark walking outside of the dorm and they they have a really tender moment here where they kiss and um they have this really like nice exchange where where april's like i'll see you after lecture and um Jeremy just walks up and he's like, so, another notch on the bedpost? Sort of. I know, yeah. And Mark says, doesn't he, that she would have done it given another night or two. She would have done it. She definitely would have. <laughs> Which seems very, like, presumptive of Mark. Yeah, I guess he's probably right. Like, she was sort of giving him the signals that she probably would have done, I guess. But it isn't to be. He's got to go, he's got to go back to work. <laughs> And then, and then the line that just is the most soul-crushing ending to an entire episode, where he's like, "This is okay. This is just a moment that will haunt me forever." Yeah, and, that pretty much sums up Mark's life, doesn't it? That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then with that, we have finished University Challenge. It's kind of hard to talk about this episode in a nutshell without kind of talking about some of the the season nine episodes. So we're we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happens in in season 9 specifically in regard to April. So if you're one of those crazy people that hasn't is watching this show week by week and listening to our podcast week by week then I thank you. 
and we don't really want to spoil anything for you, so you can go ahead and turn it off here. Uh, otherwise, we're going to just kind of talk about like what happens with April a little bit um, in Season 9. So if you don't want spoilers, turn off the show now. Do you think that Angus is like April's attempt at dating McLeish without actually dating McLeish? Yeah, I think he's like, I got the feeling, and I remember where this aired, when Season 9 aired, me and my husband talking about this, that... I always kind of had it in my head that maybe that they'd ask Peter Capaldi, but, you know, he was too busy being Doctor Who. He's like, Angus is sort of like a substitution, really, for Professor McLeish, I think. He even looks like, he even yeah, looks like yeah. McLeish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two, the two actors look very similar. In fact, I almost did a double take when Angus came on screen the first time, thinking, I and I had initially wondered if they had just recast um, the actor that plays thought, Angus. Yeah, when he first came on screen, I thought, oh, okay, is this going to be like that they're going to say this is Professor McLeishan. It's been 10 years, so we've all forgotten kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but April April's funny, and I definitely think that maybe April would have been Mark's the one with and their similar... The one, like, on the JLB Survivors group when people have talked about this, I'm in no doubt in my mind that April was definitely the one. I'm actually happy that April came back later in the series because it was just... You know, because we never really know, like, how Mark and, like, Valerie end or, you know, some of these one-off characters, we sometimes get to see the end. Yeah, it's great seeing that she's got, like, her story progressed and where she is now and who she is. I really enjoyed that. And and she doesn't, she doesn't seem at all jilted by Mark. I mean, I imagine that probably after this happened, she was probably like, well, what what the fuck? Like he was such a nice guy, and he seems so into me. Like, where did he go? Where's Kaiser Soze Hall? That she would have remembered because when, or do you think she's pretending not to remember? Because when they then meet in season nine, and she's like, "Do I know you?" And then later on, she asks if anything happened between them at one of Professor McLeish's darty parties. And I'm sure if that had happened to me, and some guy had come on really strong to me and followed me from my shoe shop job at home. And I'd spent like one night with them that was really intense and promised to see them again and they'd just disappeared. I'm sure I would have remembered that. So why is she pretend is she pretending not to remember or does she just genuinely not remember? I think that you're onto something with her her pretending. Yeah. Because Mark even still when she comes back, Mark still like never cops to her that he just lied about everything. Oh, exactly, yeah. That that never comes up between them, does it? And I think it might be a classic English politeness that's stopping her from saying actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely thank you for joining me for this episode yeah if there's any uh, you know you're you're more than welcome to come back whenever you want um if there's any other episodes you feel super strongly about just let us know and i'm sure we can pencil you into our schedule thank you i'd love to come back i really enjoyed myself so yeah my husband just texted me actually to say are you still up there and i said i think i've got a future in podcasting <laughs> <laughs> My my wife actually texted me and asked me if I was recording still, so I think she's probably getting close to being on her way home. She just likes to know so that she's not loud when she comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two cats and they hate closed doors, so I'm always worried that when they're like pawing at the door or something that the mic is uh, picking it up. Because one of our cats meowed a little while ago, and I thought, well, I wonder if you picked that up, but I don't think that my microphone is sensitive enough for that. So <laughs> if I if I did pick it up, I will definitely make sure to edit it out later. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the L Dude Siblings podcast. So we're going to be signing off, and we'll see you next week with The Man Show. I am in loco parentis. <laughs>
remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,